This episode of the National Trust podcast was made possible by Cotswold Outdoor, recommended outdoor retail partner for the National Trust. You're listening to the National Trust podcast. I'm Kate Martin, a coastal officer for the north of England. And today I'm really excited to be visiting a place that holds many childhood memories. Cardamill Valley in Shropshire is where I spent countless family holidays and it's a place I know like the back of my hand. Today I'm going to challenge myself to see exactly how well I know this landscape and to test just how much of this walk I've actually taken in over the years. I'll be meeting Julian Jackson who's a sensory walker and he'll be helping me rediscover this childhood haunt through the senses of touch, feel, smell and sound. Cardamill Valley encompasses a series of walks that snake through the valleys and traverses the peaks of the rolling Shropshire hills. Now walking these trails is a real feast for the eyes. The lush greens of the bracken covered hills, the majesty of the flowing streams and rivers, and the vibrant purples and browns of the heather, as well as sporadic encounters with the resident sheep and wild horses. But for sensory walking expert Julian Jackson, these elements of a walk here provide only a small part of a much wider enjoyment. Hello, Julian. Hi, Kate. How are you? I'm fine, thanks very much. Well, uh, there really is nothing like an Astro Trust tea room to heighten your sense of smell and sound and taste. There's loads going on. Now, there's a lot of talk about mindful walking and forest bathing. So are these just different names for what you do, sensory walking? You're, you're quite right. I think a lot of people, when they're walking, are, are walking from A to B, and they don't really take it all in. What do you do when you're trying to get a real deep connection with the sort of world around you? Well, strangely enough, when I'm walking, I actually stand still. Okay. I think that's incredibly therapeutic sometimes. When I walk, I try and find things like wild mint to taste. And if there's a stream, I love to stick my hands in the water, the running water. Where we're going to be walking, I think, you'll be able to feel the different terrain. The idea of adventure and pleasurable immersion. Uh, if you could tick those boxes when you're walking, I think you'll have a much more enhanced experience when you're walking. I'm really looking forward to putting some of those techniques into practice. Mm. So are you ready to come out for a walk? Absolutely. Fantastic. Let's, do it. Let's go. So I can't see much as we're walking up here, Julian, because my head's down in the uh, driving rain and the wind, but that is Shropshire in October. But what about you? What are you experiencing apart from the rain? Well, the rain is a big feature, isn't it, today, Kate? I can hear the raindrops on my hood here. And I'm getting a lot of squally wind in my face, which is wonderful. Can you hear that now, Kate? That water was just amazing. We're just about to cross a ford. <laughs> oh, bless <laughs> That's what you call pleasurable immersion. That's what we were talking <laughs> about, that idea of actually we physically were. being in it. Yes. So I've now got nice wet feet. <laughs> oh, this is all good. <laughs> all fun. So this downpour is really starting to, uh, to get bad now. So I think we'll just find a nice tree to shelter under for a bit. The rain is really starting to batter down now, Julian. So we've come into this nice wooden shack. To, uh, to keep dry. Can you describe it to me? I can. So it's three metres by four metres. We're sat down obviously here. So these are nice little wooden benches that go around three sides. There's actually a road in front of us. So 
been able to hear people walking past and obviously cars and stuff. Little hidey hole for us. Yeah, definitely a good place to keep out of the rain. So, you know, what got you into sensory walking? It's no, you know, not a typical thing. So what sort of started you off? Well, I actually went blind case in uh, 2010. I'd been diagnosed with a, a retinal um, inherited disease when I was five years old, so I kind of knew that I was going to go blind, but I didn't know when. I had a funny feeling. I woke up one morning and I just knew I was going to go blind. The lights went out over a three-week period, and so I ran around the house actually looking at photographs of my family. My daughter, um, I put her under a spotlight every day for three weeks and said, smile, you know, so I can remember you. And um, that was quite tough. When it happened, I couldn't navigate around the house. I actually fell over the dog and that wasn't, she wasn't happy about that. I was very confused and actually very alarmed by the whole experience. And I sat in the house for a few days, not really wanting to go out. That was the moment that I realised how isolating and disorientating it was. And then I had this amazing compulsion to get outside. And I suppose that was my way of coping with feeling completely confined, not just in my house, but in my head. I then felt I had to get into the woods and get in amongst the trees and to really connect with nature. I try and find walks which I've never done before so there's a bit of adventure in there sometimes a bit of danger <laughs> it's always good to have a bit of danger on a walk I started a walk last year it was 56 days from Land's End up to John O'Groats and again this was just a really an extension of my compulsion to get outside The big blind walk generally for me was all about being able to feel that I had seen and experienced my country, even though I don't have sight. So I have to pay tribute to my guides. We've got Clemmy with us today who has been guiding you. What is your actual method? What do you actually physically do to sort of be guided around? Well, it's very low tech and Clemmy very kindly holds on to one end of a white stick and I hold on to the other. And then I'm very, very sensitive to the way that she's walking and where she's walking. It's almost as if she's steering me. She's wonderful at actually verbalizing where we are. So I can get a picture in my head as I'm walking and en enjoy it as she is enjoying it in a way. From your description, Julian, it sounds like being the guide is a great experience in itself. So it's something I'd really like to try. So would that be okay? Absolutely. So, Clem, are you okay to show me what to do? Yeah, no, absolutely. Right, so, okay. So, I'm just going to get Julian's white stick. If you put your hand about six inches across, I'll put my hand at the top. I kind of feel that we're about to do the four by 100 <laughs> metre relay. It's that kind of position, yes. isn't it? It's kind of mostly on intuition, really. I mean, you'll sort of feel the way that I'm moving, and then I'll say to you, we're going down or we're going, we're turning right, turning left. It's a bit slippery here. Sort of more of a hyper-awareness of what we're doing and what I'm seeing. Well, I feel ready. I'm not sure whether Julian's ready for the experience of being guided by me, but are you ready to go? Absolutely, Kate. I've always said I like a bit of danger on a walk. Yep, good. <laughs> so that was quite a drop down there. Okay. So, there was so I need to a... be aware of that. 
Mm. Just a scan ahead, yeah. if you like. It's a really lovely experience, actually. It's like Clemmie was saying before about that connection with people. It makes you think about not just your own experience, but other people's experience as you're going along. I think Clemmie used the expression hyper-aware. Yeah. Which I think must be quite tiring for her and for you because all I'm doing is just feeling the way you're walking and feeling the terrain through my feet. But you're having to look out above and below. One thing I'm very aware of is that to our right-hand side is actually quite a steep slope down to the river. I mean, I'm, I'm walking on your left. Mm -hmm. If I start weaving to the right, it'd be very easy for you to take a tumble down into That's the right. stream. And although we're... Uh, pleasurable immersion is probably lovely i'm not sure on a day like today whether that stream is where you want to be immersed we're coming now to a bit where the path's narrowing slightly uh -huh. so probably i can always slot in behind you so round about if we stop here there is a dip coming up ahead of us uh -huh. and then the path widened out a little bit more now the valley we're walking up is a classic v-shaped river valley yes this is wonderful for Certainly for me, as a totally blind person, to have that description, Kate, of the perspective. But this is what we were talking about earlier, which is that um, the guides who, who helped me through the big blind walk last year, they all started looking much more closely at Another bit of a dip. the ground and the, the scene around them. So if you've, you've done this walk before many times, Kate, yes. haven't you? So w would you say that you've really looked and described to yourself the hills that you're describing no. to me before? Never. Mm -hmm. The wind's picking up a little bit now, isn't yes, it? Yes, I can feel that on my face. It's wonderful. And I can still hear the running water. That's right, yeah. Yes, slightly further down below. Yeah. Bit of a dip We're again. We're up on a crest here, aren't we, on a ridge? That's right. So I'm still feeling this terrain through my feet, which is wonderful. Wonderful. So these two sticks I've got are each doing a job. So I'm connected with you. Yeah. And then I can feel just how steep that is by putting my stick over the edge. Another little dip coming with my up my right here. hand here. Yeah. Yeah, so you're really getting that sense of, as you say, two hands doing different, That's different right. jobs. It'd be great, actually, just to stop and stand with you for a while, like you've said, and, and for you to sort of tell me and tell our listeners exactly what sense you get of the landscape we're in. Well, I get a great sense of wilderness, Kate. Uh, and just to be up here, listening to the wind and having that sense of expanse. And from the descriptions you've given me, it just feels so varied. You know, the rocks and the, the heather and the hills rolling away from me. Yeah. And I could just breathe. I just love to stand here and just... Uh, almost breathe in the space and the wind it's just magical and it's not just magical for me as somebody who can't see it I just urge people who can see to come up here too just stand and enjoy it for, for as long as you can yeah can you hear that and not a plane in the sky no it's lovely to hear actually just you're saying that, that rustle of the that gentle rustle of the wind going through the gorse and through the bracken. It's really, really beautiful. 
you know, you said before about how important it is for sighted people just to take that time to close mm. their eyes and experience it the way that you're experiencing it. So I'd really like to try it. So would you lend me Clemmy if I get a blindfold and see if I can try it out and feel the things the way you do? Absolutely, Kate. But Clemmy is invaluable to me, so you can borrow her. You can't have her. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I won't steal her. <laughs> So one of the crew is going to kind of give me a blindfold and uh, I'm going to put my life in Clemmy's hands. Fantastic. No cheating, Kate. No cheating. No peeking. No, no peeking. That's fine. So here's your blindfold. You are kidding. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Where did you get that? And Summers. Don't ask him. Have a feel of that, Julian. Now, that's my kind of it's blindfold. It's red. It's red. It's bright. <laughs> it's scarlet red. Satin. With a, with a nice lace cover, so it really is a new experience on so many levels. So I'm just putting my blindfold on now. Oh, it feels quite nice, actually. So, oh, gosh, this is a really strange experience. So, Clemmy, where are you? I'm just here. Fantastic. So if you just put your hand, like, halfway up the stick. Got it there. there. Perfect. Perfect. And I'm just in front of you. Okay. I remember there was a tree. So can we go and have a look at the tree? So a bit of an incline. Okay. So maybe bend your knees a bit. Okay. And then the tree is just here. It's actually surprisingly lower down. It feels quite smooth, the bark, and then gets rougher as it goes further up the branches. And then, oh, there's lots of little not ow, that's spiky. I can feel sort of little branches and the leaves. Oh, they feel quite waxy, the leaves. I've never noticed that on hawthorns. So what about you, Julian? What are you getting that I'm not? It just feels very complex. I'm just tracing the branches above my head and around me now. The, the, the variances in texture. The branches feel quite cold, but further down, I think, yeah, you can feel a sort of warmth in it. You think how many people we've seen today walking up and down this path? But they won't have interacted with the tree the way we are. And I'm building a picture in my head as a completely blind person of this tree from literally from the bottom up. Yeah. I think the thing that we, we miss without having any verbal description from Clemmy is the height of it. For me, it's only as high as I can feel unless I climbed into it. <laughs> it was a really nice experience actually, that feeling the tree. But I think I'm ready now to be brave and go for a walk. So, well. Is that you, Clemmy? Yeah, You're that's there. Me, that's me. Fantastic. So, are we off? It feels like grass under my feet at the moment. Oh, it's just levelling out a bit now. Oh, and down. Oh, that's stony now on a stony path. Going off to the right. Oh. It feels like I'm just doing tiny little baby steps. And we're going down a bit again. Okay. So, are we back on grass careful. again now? Yes feels quite grassy. Oh, that's a bit muddy. Are we muddy? Feels a bit um, muddy. Definitely wet. <laughs> it's wet. Rocky wet. Rocky and wet. So, yeah, be careful with your feet. But okay. It's nothing too steep or anything. I can definitely tell what Julian means about feeling the different textures under your feet. So, yeah. you know, you can definitely tell grass sort of when it's finer stones and obviously the, the bigger stones in it as well. You can definitely feel all those. And a bit, it's a bit rockier now underfoot. Bigger rocks, is that right, Clemmy? So yeah. bigger rocks yep. now? Yep. bigger rocks. I can hear a crow just praying yes. above to my 
right. This is such a different experience. You get to say, I know this area so well. And it is. It's, um, it's yeah. really disorientated. It's really strange. Even though I know, I think I know pretty much exactly where I am from where we started walking. But I couldn't 100% say that is definitely where I am. Yeah. Do you find it um, frightening, would you say? Um, certainly a bit of trepidation. It's a bit, little bit anxious, I'd say, more than actually scared. Because I, okay. you know, quite like a bit of, <laughs> bit of fear. Um, yeah, but it, it is a really different experience. And, and I can completely understand what Julian was saying about, you know, when you're walking and you know the river's there, yeah. it's just there. You don't really take, pay too much attention about how far it is away from you. But actually, when you're just listening... You can absolutely tell. Now, I can tell now that we are much closer to the, the, the stream than we were when we started, just because yeah. it sounds much closer. Completely. And I would say that where we are, the stream's probably qu- quite rushy. Totally, it sounds like it's going quite fast. Through, and is it relatively narrow? Yes, yeah, this bit definitely is narrow. Does It sounds different than, obviously, I imagine if it's going over sort of lots of little rocks and yeah. stuff. Yeah, no, definitely. I can absolutely tell what Julian was saying about feeling how you're walking. I can feel your change of gait as we're moving on to different surfaces. I do think, though, that probably somewhere like this, I find less nerve-wracking, because just because there are less people, really. OK. I find people are just so unaware of um, Julian often, you yeah. know, in um, a big city or something like that. And do you find they're quite unpredictable as well, that you can't really fully tell which way they're going to go or yeah, move? Yeah, I or... mean, especially when people are looking at the phones or something like that. <laughs> it's strange, I'd never thought about it before. But people are very immersed in their own world, which can be obviously really difficult for Julian. Yeah. So from your point of view, as you're yes. sort of doing the guide, do you sort of forget that you're holding on or is you always sort of aware that Julian needs you to sort of look out for him? I do forget that people can see me because I'm just his eyes and it's like this very strange feeling of... Um, I forget about every everything else apart from what I'm seeing. Yeah. So if you imagine what Julian can't do, I that's all I can think about. Okay. It's really strange. Julian, that was a a very 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 interesting experience. So I'm gonna pass Clemmy back to you now. Thank but you, thank Kate. you very much, Clemmy. That was amazing. Come down off the hills, and uh, we're back in our nice little wooden chalet where we were before. What's interesting to me, actually, you know, spending time out with you today is I think a lot of people have misconceptions about people with sight loss. Do you feel that you're a good role model for other people to sort of look at? No matter what you go through, you can still get out there and do something in nature. I'm very well adjusted to my current situation. And sometimes I feel that I'm probably the worst ambassador because of that. Sight loss can impact on on people in many different ways. People's mobility and independence, livelihoods, emotional well-being, all of this can be impacted. And that's why I'm always outside and I would encourage others, whether you're sighted or not, to actually get outside. It's a huge healer, the great outdoors. One of the drivers for me getting involved in the Big Blind Walk was simply because I felt when I went completely blind back in 2010 that I knew nothing about eye research. I was so grateful then, and I still am, for all the support that I was offered by various voluntary organisations. Yeah. But none of that 
will actually get my sight back or anybody else's yeah. or actually prevent sight loss or treat eye disease. So I hope that through my walking, I hope that I've been able to encourage people to, to exercise, yeah. to, to, to just enjoy things that are free, but also to think about the more serious side of things. And eye research is where I'm at right now. just got back into the car after an amazing sensory walk experience and I'm on my way back up north. I think the thing that really sticks out for me from the sensory walk that we've just done is this is a place I thought I knew really well and I've done that walk so many times in my life. Sensing it in a different way, it just added a whole layer that I hadn't even noticed before and it will absolutely change how I walk in future because it will make me realise that it's not just about getting your head down and ploughing on and getting to the end of the walk. It is, and I've always taken the time to stop and look around me, but I think that suggestion that Julia made is actually don't just stop and look around you. Actually see what you're looking at. Actually take the visuals in and also take the time to shut your eyes, just be really, really quiet and listen and smell and feel and use all of your senses to experience and in that way you get a completely immersive experience to these places so even if it's somewhere that you know really well it's so worth looking at it and feeling it in a completely different way Thanks for listening to this episode of the National Trust podcast. You can listen to all the podcast series produced by the National Trust at nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd really love to get your feedback. So do drop us a line at podcasts at nationaltrust.org.uk. Next time, I'm back in the Shropshire Hills for a sensory experience of a completely different kind with the members of the Shropshire Wild Swimmers and Dippers group. That episode will be available in two weeks' time. To make sure you're notified when it's available, subscribe to this podcast where you are listening now or set a reminder to come back to our website in a fortnight's time. But until then, from me, Kate Martin, goodbye. This episode of the National Trust podcast was made possible by Cotswold Outdoor, recommended outdoor retail partner for the National Trust.